Assalamu alaikum, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of our podcast. Um, today, we are joined by two guest speakers, if they want to introduce their names. Uh, my name is Sakina Rizvi. I am 22 years old, and I graduated at the age of 14. My name is Atfa Huda. I am currently 16, and I graduated this year at the age of 16. So today's topic, like Sana mentioned, is talking about motivation. And we're going to ask our speakers about how their journey for um, graduating early was and how that affected their motivation and their goal setting. So first question is, how was the process of graduating early and graduating like with a different class as well as um, joining grad events? Last year, I had to, as I was starting to accelerate, so I had to take courses with a different grade. Uh, it was difficult because I initially felt that I'm an outsider intruding certain classes, especially in my French immersion class. French immersion classes don't tend to have very many new people. It tends to be the same people in the same class. So they definitely knew I was different. But what really helped is I had friends in that grade. So that definitely helped a lot. And I also realized that people don't really care that much. What was the second part of the question? Something about grad events? Um, yeah, like um, attending grad events, was it different? Uh, so I'm not the best person to answer this question because I have not. Uh, attended any grad events. The only event I've attended is valedictory. My principal was kind enough to let me attend all of them. So when you say like your principal was kind enough to let you attend all of them, does that mean most schools don't actually allow you to attend all the grad events if you're not of that year? I think they probably would. I just know that he gave me, he told me I could. What about for you, Sakina, were you able to go to all your grad events? Yeah, I mean, uh, my grad events went, uh, went great. It was a couple of years ago, but um, I still remember that even though I graduated with uh, people who weren't in my grade, uh, they were still my friends, uh, but all of my actual friends who were my age, you know, they brought flowers and chocolates and they celebrated. So it was it was really nice um, that they could be there to kind of celebrate that moment with me. Um, and I think like Atifahuda said, a lot of uh, the whole part of accelerating is, is a mental game. Um, there are many things that are sort of in your head about, you know, not adjusting or feeling, feeling like an outsider. Um, and it takes some time to realize that it's all you and it's all in your head. And that no one actually cares how old you are. Um, and so I think once you kind of overcome that, uh, you know, some of those kind of anxieties about, you know, well, what's going to happen if I can't have my friends here? Or what's going to happen if this person's a stranger? Those sorts of things fade away. Um, and you realize that it's not that big of a deal. To add to your point, yes, you're right. It's completely a mental game. And you mentioned that once you get over the fact that no one cares about your age, another thing you have to get over is going into a class that technically is a year ahead because it has a 12 attached to it and it doesn't mean you can't do it if you aren't of that age it just means that the content is of that level but if you've already passed the prerequisites then you're at that level already and I think mm -hmm. that's where like a lot of the whole imposter syndrome comes in where like uh, you always doubt yourself because you feel that you're younger and so yeah. you know it's constantly that process of building your self-esteem to say no I'm accelerating because I can do it and I do know the content and I'm not you know, beneath everyone else or everyone else isn't smarter than me. 
So has there like for either of you ever been a point where you were thinking, maybe I don't want to graduate earlier, maybe I don't want to accelerate my courses? Has that ever happened to either of you? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, definitely a phase when I was like swamped with assignments and exams. And you ask yourself, like, what am I doing? And can I do it? And I think that gets into the sort of self doubt that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember initially, when I decided to accelerate, I was like 12 or something. And having a conversation with my parents and the idea of, of, you know, getting out of school two years early was just like exciting for me to so like, oh, I can, this is something that's even an option. Um, but then of course, you know, there, it isn't a kind of a perfect journey. There are moments where, you know, you start to question and, and especially when you face sort of pressure about your decision and you face those questions, you know, you do have those doubts, but then if you remember your purpose and you remember why you're doing it, um, you know, kind of acts as that anchor that pulls you back. So I guess for you, the motivation was being able to graduate two years early. Yeah, I think it was it was a couple of things. Um, you know, as a kid, yes, it was graduating <laughs> early and like saving time on school. Um, the second thing for me was just this whole like idea of excellence to, to really kind of reflect on my identity and say, you know, well, like, why do I have to graduate at this age just because everyone else says I have to? Um, and, you know, if I can graduate early, then like, you know, why am I sort of stopping myself? And kind of connecting that excellence piece to my identity to say I should be really going as far as I I can or as far as my capacity and ability allows and that's part of my identity as a Muslim that's part of who I am Um, and so I think those were kind of the two the two driving factors. You mentioned purpose and you're totally right you need to know why you're about to put yourself through what you're about to put yourself through because no joke when I started this I was like yeah yeah I just have to do some courses you know I didn't realize trying to finish a year's worth of content in three months is a lot of work. And you as a human being are not a robot. You'll have times that are ups, you'll have times that are downs, um, and you have to work through that. And the only way to work through that is if you have a clearly defined purpose and you have a reason for why you're doing it. And you have to draw back to that. Um, I know before we actually began the recording session, you guys were talking about factors that indicated whether a person could ex- like accelerate their classes and coursework and like what indicated that a person is capable of that. So what were those factors that you guys were talking about? I would say it's a it's a combination of a couple of things. So as Atifahda and I were discussing, you know, it's not just about the academics um, in many and, and acceleration is not for everyone. And in many cases, accelerating can be harmful and can be disastrous and have consequences that will really impede your growth. Uh, so what are the cases where acceleration doesn't work? Uh, you know, number one is if you just don't have that work ethic, right? You're just not going to be able to get the content done. It'll be difficult and an unpleasant experience. Um, the second thing is if you, if you don't have support, like if you want to do this, but you don't have support from your teachers or your parents, um, you know, acceleration is already an uphill battle, right? Because you're going against norms and standards. And so you really need that strong support system. If you don't have that, um, it's going to be difficult. Uh, and then the last thing is the behavioral or social maturity piece. Um, you know, there are some people who are able to accelerate and the acceleration is something that they do for their academics, but it also happens with their social skills. Like as they learn content faster, you'll see a lot of accelerated students are actually very mature. Um, and that's part of the process. It's it's something that happens for many of them, uh, but for others, it doesn't, right? So you don't want to have, uh, you know, someone who is like 13 graduating you know, who can't hold a conversation or who can't defend themselves or who doesn't know how to navigate, uh, you know, a situation where they don't have their parents or they don't have a teacher to help them out. Um, So those are the kinds of indicators you have to look for is finding that right balance of personality, academics and behavioral and social maturity 
along with, of course, parental support. And if you kind of get that golden combination, then it's like, okay, go ahead. Yeah, that makes sense as well, because I know a lot of people who don't have, like, that ability to, like, actually have a proper conversation. Like, it doesn't make sense for them to try accelerating their life when they still need to take that time to understand themselves in that sense. One thing I would add to that is internal strength. You mentioned that with the behaviors, but if someone doesn't have the strength to pull them out from the downs, you mentioned there was times when you questioned why you were doing it, but you were able to pull yourself out with looking at your purpose. If there is someone who cannot pull themselves out of those lows, don't do it. And Accelerating will just bring you down further. And that's directly connected to the maturity piece, right? Like if you don't have that maturity, then it is going to be something where you just kind of get yourself down. So I always say like acceleration is not for every person, but it shouldn't be banned for every person because every individual is different and you have to kind of do it on a case-by-case basis. And going into university, so for you, Um, Did you ever find that people maybe underestimated you because you were younger than them? The thing is, in university, nobody knows. Um, I was really nervous as like a 14-year-old going in. I was like, I'm going to walk in and everyone's going to point at me and be like, oh, look, there's a 14-year-old in our class. Um, But, you know, I feel like we sometimes think we're more important than other people think we are. And so uh, nobody cared. Uh, Nobody knew. And, uh, you know, you will make yourself stand. You're the only person who will make yourself stand out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there were many classes where I was like, four years younger than my peers, but it was just like, we were all one group. Um, mm-hmm. And so as I, as I had said before, a lot of it was just that mental game of, you know, m- like m- making sure that I wasn't underestimating myself more than others. I would say in my entire four years at university, I never encountered a single sort of disparaging comment from anyone. It was really my own thoughts about like, they're all going to find out that I'm young. They're all going to find out that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of not supposed to be here or whatever. So did you not um, tell anyone like how old you were when you met them? Yes, that was my game plan. I, <laughs> I went in saying that I'm not going to tell anyone my age because I didn't want it to uh, change the way that they would see me. Um, mm-hmm. If they knew that I was younger, like because they didn't know, they treated me as, as an equal. If they knew that I was younger, you know, they might have felt threatened or um, it just would have changed the whole dynamic. So I was like, if I can lay low, that's the, the approach that I'm going to go with. And it, and it worked. So even you haven't told them how old you were? I mean, eventually some of them did find out. Um, like, you know, maybe a year into it, they like saw something. So they're like, what? You know, how did Oh, wait, you like a year them? or two into university? Yeah. Oh so my they, God. you know, they, so they, but they didn't find, like a lot of them kind of just never knew. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I kept it that way. Um, again, because I, like for a lot of people, age does matter in the sense that, you know, they will interact with you differently or they would have at that time if they knew yeah. that I was 14. Wouldn't have been a relationship of equals, it would have been one kind of, of superiority and, and inferiority. Do you ever regret not telling them, like having finished university? No, I, I don't. I don't know, I, I felt it to be like a little, I mean, it's always an odd situation to navigate to kind of, you know, go around telling people, I graduated early. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it just sort of feels, I don't know, it felt a bit self-centered to me to, to kind of go about doing that. I mean, if they found out, they found out, but. Um, I don't know it was it sort of felt odd to, to, to kind of reveal it all so I was like if you find out great but if not you're just gonna remember <laughs> me as being the same age as you mm-hmm. yeah so now that you've graduated would you if you could give yourself a message from like before you graduated in your earlier grades what would you say you know as as cliche as it sounds I would really just say be more confident um, I think confidence is something that I, I didn't have as much uh, when I was fast tracking. It's definitely something that I've had to develop and, and continue to develop over the years. But 
um, confidence is, is really important as a Muslim, as, um, you know, just as an individual, if you don't believe in yourself and you don't um, sort of have that understanding of your capacity, uh, you really allow yourself to be vulnerable in a way where you can't achieve your goals. So where did you end up going for university? Where did I end up going? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to University of Toronto. Uh, so I went into religious studies. Religious studies? That's, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I, I did my bachelor's in. And are you working right now? Yeah, so I did my, I, I kind of have hopped fields. Um, mm-hmm. I did my bachelor's in religious studies, um, and then I did my master's in education and, oh, okay. and another master's in arts and in religious studies. But then now I've just kind of settled for my, my doctorate in education. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching right now? Yes, right now. And I, I'm teaching as a high school teacher. Well, that's so nice. Congrats. Like um, different, like, I guess, communicating with the other teachers who are, I guess, would be older than you. It's really interesting, actually, at the school that I was, because it's the same school that I uh, graduated from, there, oh, are actually, really? there are actually a few teachers there, um, you know, who were my teachers. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's it's always a bit nerve wracking when you have to mm-hmm. present in front of them because you still are like, this was my teacher in grade nine or grade 10. Um, but it's, it's really sweet that it kind of comes full circle mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you you learn as a student in a place and then you have that opportunity to to be able to kind of contribute then from the other side. Wait, Sakina, I really wanted to ask you this. Yes. It sounds really funny, but you mentioned you were, you were a young teacher and I've heard yes. stories that younger teachers can get misjudged as students. Do you <laughs> yes. have a funny story where you've been called a student by one of the other teachers? Yes, I, I do. Um, you know, I because you're, you're younger, you do tend to sort of you know, kind of fit in with the students. So I remember uh, when I was teaching at a different school, um, I was sitting at the back of the class to mark the students. They were doing presentations at the front. So, uh, you know, it, I just saw like a teacher pass by and he looked inside my class and then he he left and I, I didn't think much of it. And then, you know, the second teacher did the same, the third teacher did the same. I'm like, what's, what's going on? Um, and then, you know, the kids were being like a, a little loud. They were doing their presentation. And so the teacher comes in and he's like, I've been checking these halls like three times why don't you guys have any teacher I don't see a single teacher here and I was like sitting with the students um and it ha- would happen like a couple of times where they would come in and be like why are you guys unsupervised I'd be like no I'm here I'm like right right in the middle of them like oh we're so sorry we thought you were a student so um <laughs> stuff like that that does happen um but it's, it's all part of the game yeah I mean it's just like small stuff you know like the students if they're lining up for assembly and like your back is turned up like go line up and I'm like nope <laughs> <laughs> this is not there's just like things things like that and you know it's all it's they're like oh we're so sorry like you know we didn't realize but mm-hmm. um yeah it, it happens a, a lot question for you Sakina if you don't mind yes have you you did your you excel you were at Wadi Lasser if I'm not mistaken yes. have you ever faced anything where a teacher or someone in power has ever told you why the hell are you doing this and you can't do it Interestingly, you know, Wally Lesser is the reason why I, I accelerated because the school has, um, I mean, like one third of the schools, like, you know, in the school, fast tracking is the culture, which is a very, very unique situation where in yes. other cases, uh, fast tracking is not the culture. So it's almost like if you're not fast tracking, what are you doing? Um, because all your friends are doing it and like, you know, everyone's hopping between grades. Uh, but I, I did kind of encounter some resistance in university, right? Because that's when uh, you're entering into a system where uh, the norm is to kind of go through your four years. So when I was doing my fast tracking in university, that's where I got a lot of the questions, which were like, are you okay? 
you know, like, what are you thinking? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, and I've had other friends who, when they've tried to fast track in university or even kind of mentioned the possibility of doing extra courses, it's been shut down without like, like I had a friend recently, she was, um, you know, in a master's program and she just wanted to take like two extra courses so that she could uh, finish before the summer. And, you know, she has like a great academic record, you know, mature, like, and, and it wasn't a huge deal. She was just doing two extra ones, but just sending the email, she just said, hey, can I discuss this with you? Um, and they didn't even accept her request for a meeting and just said no. Uh, so there's like a lot of resistance that you face because people are personally opposed to it. And they're not even willing a lot of times to even like discuss it. Like, you know, hey, give me a chance to show you uh, that I can do it because they just have this kind of generalized assumption in their mind that you're going to ruin your life if you do so and that it's horrible and, you know, all the sort of myths that, that come with acceleration. Yeah. So to answer your question, not in my school, but um, it gets harder, I think, as you try to do it um, in other institutions. Yeah. So Atafula, for you, are you planning on fast-tracking university as well? Currently, that's not completely in the plan, but um, I think as I haven't entered university, I still haven't been able to gauge where the course level is at. I know, especially because of COVID, prior to COVID, the entire BC uh, curriculum got pegged down a notch to a B level. So even if you're at an A, that's technically was originally a B. And then during COVID, it got pegged down even further to a C level. So though I've been doing content that's technically accelerated, I'm not completely sure how that will translate to university. I think my fast tracking will help me with the course load because it'll allow, it'll give me the skills. It's given me the skills to deal with like a lot more. So if I have to spend more time on courses, I'm able to deal with that. But until I get to university and figure out what the level of my courses are, I don't think I'll be able to judge that. Mm -hmm. If I find it doable, I might consider it. Or I know a lot of people don't even take a full course load in university anymore. So I might even just take a full course load. Mm -hmm. Um, and just get it done that way. So Sakina, for you, like I've heard a lot about people fast tracking high school, but I haven't heard much about like fast tracking university. So what led you to that decision? I think it was, um, you know, so I, I, I didn't fast track in the first year, uh, kind of with the, sim the same reason that the father is mentioning, just to kind of gauge, uh, you know, uh, what is it like, you know, uh, get a sense of the workload. Um, but in my final year, I decided to, or in, after my first year, I fast tracked to graduate a year early. Um, and for me, it was just about um, this feeling that I can do more. And it was like that nagging feeling that you're, you know, like you're letting go of something like, you know, you can, you can push yourself harder again, not in a way where you don't have a balanced life. Like it was still very important to me to have my friend groups, you know, to have my meetups, to have my sort of, you know, skating plans or basketball and volleyball and kind of still be able to maintain that. I didn't want to, you know, kind of get to the, the level where I could, could, where I had to give that up. But again, I felt that I could do more while kind of keeping everything afloat. Um, and so for me, I started off by doing an extra course. Um, like over here, usually you'll do five courses. So I did six and I was like, that wasn't too bad. Um, and then I did like seven and I was like, okay, like that was okay. Um, and then I did eight and I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is like, it's not crazy. I can, I can manage it. And um, the big appeal then of course is like that you can save a year. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that that time is really valuable um, and it really kind of, kickstarts your career and, and really allows you to move uh, move forward in what you want to do. Um, and so for me, it was like, okay, if I can get this bachelor's done in three years, then I can kind of get my, get, like do my master's quicker and get into the PhD quicker. 
And because I sort of had that long-term plan of getting to the doctorate, I didn't want it to be that sort of 10-year chunk of my life. Um, and so fast tracking kind of gave me that opportunity to cut down on that time. That's really nice though, that you like fast track university as well. Because I guess what you were saying makes sense. You get into the workplace faster and then you can yeah. also start gauging like what you want to do there, right? For sure. And, you know, as Atifahda was saying, like with some of these career paths, um, they're, they're a big commitment, you know, to yeah. kind of- You don't have time done. to switch around, right? Between Exactly. Like, you, you don't have time to switch around. And if you stay within the field, whether it's dentistry, medicine, or like doing a doctorate, like that's a significant portion of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think it just helps you if you're able to get it done quicker um, and reach your, your ultimate goal, you know, whether that's to be a doctor or to be a dentist or to be a professor, um, you know, that's ultimately where you're working towards. So the faster you can get there, um, the better. Okay, so um, to end off, is there any specific advice that you'd like to give to the audience? Ending off with a, with a heavy, deep question. <laughs> <laughs> Very deep question. It really always is a mental game. It's always a mental game. You can do it. You just have to get over your own mind. Because your own mind is preventing you from doing it, but it will also give you the ability to do it. You also have to be kind to yourself because at a certain point, you you used to hit a block and you have to recognize that sometimes you just need to step away. Maybe you just need a quick breather. Maybe you need to go out for a run and go outside for half an hour, then come back. Maybe you need to go to sleep because it's just not working. Maybe yeah, I think it's need like a night's sleep. You need something, fine. Take it, be kind to yourself and then move on because the next day you'll be able to do it. Yeah, I think it's very um, important to take breaks in between because it's yeah. a lot of workload, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like breaks are like definitely the best way to continue studying. Like runs are definitely like really helpful for me, like going on a short run or like going biking. Like, what What do you guys do when you take breaks? Yeah, I just like not having uh, sort of my laptop and phone around me just yes. because of the stuff that I do. I'm always on my laptop, you know, sending a message, sending an email. If I'm not doing that, I'm answering a message or something. So sometimes it's just nice to just put all of that away and even just have a conversation, you know, with my with my parents or yeah, my talking, siblings. Talking yeah. is like such a good way to like relax yourself and like just let go of all the stress. Definitely. Yes. Actually, there is, you know, the cuddling hormone. Have you ever heard of that? Um, like, I think it's, it's Tafahad, are you gonna are you gonna recommend every that everyone starts cuddling? No. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> So it's called the cuddling hormone. Wait, it oh, it's like the, oh, the oxytocin. Oxytocin, oxytocin, that's the one. So oxytocin, it's called the cuddling hormone because when it's released, you feel like hugging, like you feel like being close to people or to hug to someone. Um, that's why it's called the cuddling hormone. And often it's released when you're really happy. Um, but oxytocin is actually a stress hormone. It's released when you're really stressed. When you're really stressed, you want to be around people. You want not only physical connection, you want emotional connection as well to people. Oxytocin is also like something I know, like when I was reading about oxytocin, because it's like one of those hormones that are released when you're like enjoying yourself and having fun. It's something to relieve yourself from stress, especially. And I know like hugs and like cuddling, that's definitely a big one. But also something as simple as like giving someone a compliment that also releases oxytocin effort. And just like small stuff like that and interacting with people, I think is also a big thing in terms of relieving stress. She mentioned one thing I think Sakina mentioned, I think this is like one of the biggest takeaways I took from her is 
she keeps mentioning balance. You cannot even go through normal schooling and not have external content because you are not a robot. You are a human being. You can't just work, work, work all day. You are going to break down. Yeah, Sakina, I hope balance wasn't your piece of advice because you're going to have to think of another one now. <laughs> yeah, Akamata is like taking all my, Sorry. All my ideas. <laughs> no, I think my, my piece of advice would be uh, remember who you are. Uh, in the sense that I feel like as Muslims, we have great role models, you know, like Sayyidah Zainab and like Imam Hussein. And I think when we talk about being Shia, when we talk about being Muslim, like it's not okay to be mediocre. You know, it's not okay to be average. It's not okay to kind of do the bare minimum. Part of being a Muslim and part of having that Muslim identity is excellence. Um, a lot of us are really lucky and super blessed, uh, you know, to have parents, to have access to an education, to have a safe home. Uh, there's so much that God has blessed us with, um, and there are so many opportunities that he has provided to us. So part of our, you know, it's, I, I always kind of think that acceleration and, and this commitment to excellence is Islamic. It's not uh, something that is not Islamic. It's something that is part of our faith, um, is achieving your full potential and maintaining that excellence in the footsteps of the people that we follow, who never sort of settled for less or who never did anything in a sort of, uh, you know, half half job kind of manner. So uh, my biggest advice would be uh, that, you know, remember that you are very unique. God has blessed you with uh, an incredible amount of, of potential. So don't waste it and don't let it go. Mm-hmm. I really like that as well. Be because like, yeah, you're talking about like potential and you're giving like good role models. Like, I think that's definitely really important, like to remember when you're like in those times where you're thinking like, oh, how do I motivate myself? Like, how can I get back on track? and complete my goals. I think thinking about those role models is definitely a very important idea. Thank you for joining us, Sakina and Atfahada. It was very, very motivating, actually. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Office, everyone. Office, everyone. Okay, thank you for listening to this. Um, oh my God, is it the second episode? It's the yeah. second. Guys, we're already on the second episode. Thank you for listening <laughs> to our second episode, and we'll hopefully we'll see you guys next time. Office.